Hello and welcome to Rocket, Accelerated Geek Conversation. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I'm joined today by Christina Warren, Senior Cloud Developer Advocate at Microsoft. What's up? Hey, lady. Hey. It's hey. just us tonight. It is just us tonight because uh, Brie had a, had another engagement and uh, couldn't make it. So we are doing this Brie-less. Uh, we miss her. Um, but uh, uh, we'll, Don't we'll, worry, we'll Christina. Manage. It's going to be a breeze. Oh, my God. Hey! Uh, That's our show, folks. Oh, by the way, this show is brought to you by Squarespace and Pingdom and Green Chef. Nice. Nice. Um, so, Simone, um, how's Hell Week going? Hell Week! Hell Week! Oh, my God. <laughs> it's that time of year again when the video games come out, Christina. Yes. It's yes. going very uh, well. Thank you for asking. And we'll be talking more about some of that um, uh, later on in the show, but I just wanted to, to, to check in since... We're like more than halfway through the week. So yeah, as- for those listening, we were going to be able to record early this week so that Brie could be here. But because I had to play Fallout 76 all night long, we weren't able to do a recording with all three of us. So it is it is Bethesda's fault that yeah. only two of us are here. Bethesda took Brie from us. Um, I I like that. I, I like blaming Bethesda on this. Also, I have Fallout sweatpants oh, that yeah, are really yeah, comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's talk about some uh, technology news. First up, there's some interesting news out of Oculus, our, our embattled friends at Oculus. Brendan Iribe, who uh, was previously the vice president in charge of PC VR at Oculus and had been with Oculus since the pre-Facebook days, has left the company. And there are, he, he says he's happy and going to do the next thing. There are some rumors that he left because Facebook wanted to prioritize VR for mobile devices rather than a rumored Oculus 2 for PCs and that he wasn't happy with moving in that moving VR in that direction. Um, but that is a rumor, uh, Facebook, which Facebook has refuted and said, everything's great. Look at this post that he did. He's happy. So yeah, this is among many, many changes that are coming to Oculus along with the rumored Oculus 2 cancellation. Yeah, which I kind of believe, especially, I mean, regardless of what they're saying, that that he's leaving on good terms. I mean, look, he clearly left on better terms than, um, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Systrom and, and, and Mike um, uh, from uh, from Instagram. Like, <laughs> they kind of left on, like, the worst terms. And frankly, I, I don't know if we talked about it on Rocket or not. I might have been out that week. But, like, to me, of all the Facebook departures, the Instagram guys leaving is the most devastating um, because um, Mike led engineering the whole time and Kevin led product the whole time. And and I would argue that Instagram is the most important product to, to Facebook. Um, but uh, the way that the Brandon's leaving and the other rumors that this, that the Oculus 2 has been canceled. I don't know. I, I feel like my spidey sense tells me, that that there's some truth to this. Mm. That that I I don't know. I have I, I have absolutely nothing to base this on except for gut feeling. Um, I will point out my gut feeling. on movie pass has proven to be correct <laughs> again and again. Uh, but do, do you think we can like take this, take the Instagram departures and the Oculus departures, 
as part of a larger story about Facebook? Or do you think yes. that they're, you, you say yes? I, I, I do. I think that this, it, it appears like Facebook is, or, and maybe kind of Mark Zuckerberg's inner circle is trying to reassert his position of dominance. Because it's, cause it's been in, in the last 12 months, you've seen the heads of WhatsApp You've seen, you know, the, um, uh, you know, now Brandon from 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 Oculus, uh, uh, Palmer left before, and obviously that was a different yeah. situation, and, and he wasn't a manager in the same way that the, that Brandon was. I mean, Brandon was he ran kind of VR stuff, but he was the CEO of Oculus when it was acquired. So, like, he's to me, this is this is always going to be a much bigger deal than than Palmer, even if Palmer's circumstances of him leaving hadn't been so Palmer. Um, this would be a bigger deal. So, but you see basically like, um, you know, your three biggest acquisitions, um, uh, Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook, or mm-hmm. Oculus rather, all the, the heads of them all leaving within like a 12 month period. That's a good point. I forgot about um, WhatsApp being included under that umbrella. And the Wall Street Journal did report that um, the Instagram departures were about, uh, get out of here, pop up. <laughs> We're about kind of Facebook meddling and yes. the uh, WhatsApp departures happened while Facebook was dealing with like the first big data leak of mm-hmm. this year. Yeah, exactly. Precisely. And, 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 you know, some of the Facebook, some, some of the WhatsApp people have come out and, and, uh, you know, said things like they, you know, gave up a lot of money in stock, you know, to, to basically leave early and wow like a lot of money and, and some other, um, you know, stuff just to kind of get out. And, and that fact um, just turned me into Waluigi just now. And like a not insignificant amount either. I, I don't remember how much, but it was substantial. Um, and uh, you also have, uh, you know, um, a number of the, the WhatsApp uh, employees um, in, in, you know, early team speaking out now actively against Facebook um, and, and some of their policies, uh, it seemed like at least on the, on the Instagram side, like, you know, Facebook wanted to take a more hands-on role or Zuck wanted to make more, take a more hands-on role in, in terms of running things. Whereas before, other than the ad side, which integrated fairly early on, which makes sense because Instagram never had an ad side, mm-hmm. the product team had run pretty independently and hadn't really been under the purview of anything else. Um, uh, but then they, they put this guy, Adam, uh, um, sorry, kind of in charge. And apparently, uh, Kevin and Mike didn't like that. And in fact, since they left, he is now the guy who, you know, he was like head of product and, and got some sort of big promotion. And now that includes like officially that he's the person running Instagram. Um, with Oculus, I think it might be a little more complicated because you're talking about a company that had, you know, it was, it was a two and a half billion dollar purchase. And then they had to pay, um, a lot of money to uh, Zenimax in the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Um, so a troubled you know, company from the start. Yeah. Um, you know, and and then there's and then the the bottom line is you know it hasn't sold well. Um, I, I guess up to expectations, and and I think that everyone would agree that VR in general hasn't really taken off the way a lot of people thought that it would. Mm-hmm. So they've you know they're having to pivot in some ways. They had like the, 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 the Oculus story studio, which they shut down and, and they've had, you know, some other kind of, you know, experimentations to me. I mean, I, I don't disagree if their, um, I guess target is going to be to focus on mobile devices rather than like an Oculus too. I, I, I actually don't think that's the wrong decision. Like I, I feel like yeah. you have a much better chance of actually getting adoption and getting people to build software for your product 
if you're going to have a mobile device, you know, be able to, to slot into it because that will, you know, make games, uh, you know, more people will be able to get it in their hands, will be less expensive, and it's it's portable in a way that uh, the the current Oculus just isn't. That said, I can also understand that if you, you know, started, you know, this company with these really big ideas around VR, and now you're kind of looking and going in more of an accessory direction, that might not be something you're interested in. Yeah, um, it's so hard because I feel like... There are going to be, I mean, there are going to be super interesting innovations on both those fronts, mobile and yeah. PC. But I think, like, truly mind-blowing stuff can absolutely come out of the PC, and I want that research and innovation to continue. But I do think, you know, Facebook has to acknowledge that that's not, uh, it's not the Facebook of tech devices, as it were. Right. It's not the thing that everyone is adopting. It never will be. No, no. I mean, and, and I think that you could make the argument, and I don't know if this is going to happen or has happened, where you could have that sort of research happening, have kind of that high level kind of stuff going into maybe eventually making better desktop class devices mm-hmm. without um, focusing your consumer product, your, your direct to market product being in that direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's interesting too, uh, Hugo Barra, who was at Google, he used to run Android, um, devices and he was at Xiaomi and now he runs, I think devices or something, um, on, on the Oculus team. I, I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, what, what his role is in this, in this shakeup. Um, it hasn't been mentioned, but, but that, that, that kind of occurred to me because he was, um, a significant hire for Facebook, um, but he was also a, a very different type of hire, at least compared to the sorts of people that um, had been working on Oculus beforehand, because he definitely came from more of that mobile background. Um, John Carmack was kind of, there's been like a lot of speculation about, well, how long does he last? Because he's, you know, one of the last like kind of big, you know, so associated people still with, you know, Oculus. And and he said on Twitter that he has no plans to leave after the release of uh Listen, he's done with his lawsuit. He's got his whole life ahead of him. Yeah, I mean, you know, look, he he doesn't need a job. Like, but, yeah. but he said he but he said he has no plans to leave. So, I mean, well, I guess we'll we'll see if he stays or not, but but at least publicly he's saying that he's he's committed. So, um, we'll see. But it's interesting. What do you think? I mean, in terms of like do we need, does Oculus need like an Oculus 2? Do they need, uh, does Vive need a Vive 2? Like what needs to happen for more <sighs> people to, to get on board with, with, uh, with VR? Man, no, I just, I, I am, I am torn, like going back to the, the technology thing. Cause for all I know, there have been some amazing advances that could make VR more amazing, but I don't think that that was the barrier, right? It was never that it wasn't cool enough. It was never that it wasn't immersive enough. It felt awesome. It's the complication of setting it up and it's the huge price. And if those are still issues, then we don't need an Oculus 2 as a consumer product because it's going to tank. It's abs- It's just going to like crash and burn. So in that sense, like, no, no, we don't need it. <laughs> it, would, it, might, it. It might be an interesting investment for Facebook, but it certainly wouldn't be maybe what they would want. I mean, they're they're doing their home speaker stuff, but as as far as physical products that Facebook is making, it wouldn't be what I would make if I were a company who has like limited offerings 
of physical products that I'm, I'm putting out there. Like there's not much to my name. I wouldn't want that, that weird thing that is super expensive and not popular to be the thing that I'm investing so much marketing and time in. Let me ask you this. Uh, I, I assume you, you've talked to or, or, or know people kind of in, or you've at least followed closely, like, you know, people in the Oculus space. How big of a deal is it for to, 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 to lose Brendan from, from Oculus, do you think? Honestly, that, that I am not sure about. I, I do think that Oculus, like the legacy of Oculus is very important. And clearly those people who were involved in it being being part of a team is why it had such a, a hugely successful Kickstarter. It's why it was acquired by Facebook. I Because I don't know what is next for VR, I can't speak to how crucial Brendan would be for like the next big thing that's coming. But I do think that Oculus probably wouldn't be where it is today without him and the the other people that he was working with. And Paul Lucky, God rest his soul. I'm sorry you uh, you ruined everything for yourself. But um yeah anyway, yes. I I I do think it is a blow because presumably I mean he didn't use all of his juice on, you know, Oculus One. Like presumably he's still very invested in that. But I mean maybe he's gonna go off and work for another VR company, he's probably not going to leave the whole field. So in yeah. that case, I, I don't think it's like something, maybe it's grief for Oculus, but not necessarily for the technology as a whole. Yeah, no, totally. And I guess that was kind of where my point is like, how big of a blow is this to Facebook? Because I mean, the worst thing that could happen, right, would be if if Apple turns around and hires this guy. <laughs> um, you know? Um, I mean, they must have thought of that, right? Like, how, yeah, presumably. How important is Oculus to Facebook, I guess, is, is the question. And uh, I don't know. Which is interesting. At one point, you know, Zuck seemed really committed. Like, he talked about how he thought that that was going to be the next big interface. That it was going to be kind of the next big paradigm shift in, in, in UI and in stuff like that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I always kind of rolled my eyes at that a little bit. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who feel that way. So that's that's not a unique it's not like he's seems crazy saying that. Um, but at the same time, they've invested a lot of money in this, but it's it's, you know, like a drop in the bucket in terms of how much they've invested maybe in some other things. Yeah. Um, you know, you're you're it, for for a company of Facebook size anyway, it's just like, okay, well, this uh <laughs> if wor- <laughs> if the worst thing happened and they had to be and they had to fully retreat it be like, okay, so that happened. You know, it wouldn't be like catastrophic to the business. Yeah. Yeah. As long as Instagram keeps afloat. <laughs> uh, no joke. I mean, again, that's why I don't think we really talked about it, but, but losing the, the Instagram team. Wow. Like that to me is the one where you're like, okay, now, mm, you know, like. Yeah, it, that that's, I think, super interesting to me because this is, Oculus is already weird for Facebook. It's a, a tech product, not a social media platform like WhatsApp right. or Instagram or Facebook itself. Like those are things where I think Facebook could affect them in strange Facebooky ways. Like they could really get their tendrils in there and do Facebooky things to yep. those platforms. Oculus is already kind of like a, 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 a from left field for Facebook. So 
I really have no idea what the future of Oculus is going to be, but yeah, Instagram and WhatsApp are very interesting. Definitely. I, I think Instagram, especially since it, it makes so much money. Um, yeah. you know, what's, uh, you know, I mean, it, it makes so much money. And it's that it's, so it has managed to be untarnished by Facebook's reputation. Like I, exactly. I know people who have deleted their Facebook accounts. They've gone off Facebook. They're mm-hmm. still on Instagram. Of course There's, they are. It because, still because has, it has its own sort of, it feels safer. Yeah. I mean, even though in my personal experience, the abuse on it is the worst of anywhere. Yeah. Um, but like that, notwithstanding, you know, I think that the the platform you're you're exactly right in that. Even people who don't think Facebook's cool, like there, you know, there was a, a a slate of articles, you know, years ago about how you know teens didn't use Facebook, and and the the thing that I would always say when I would like go on TV to talk about that would be like, okay, so they're not using Facebook, but they are using Instagram, so gotcha. it doesn't actually matter. You know, Stuck exactly. That, it's like ha teens. It's like ha ha. You're you using know, WhatsApp. Still... You're using Instagram. <laughs> And, and, and then, you know, and then frankly, we're like it looks stuck like, on that pundits who think that, you know, Facebook isn't, you know, exactly, effective. exactly. And and then, you know, when it did look like for a second, like Snapchat might catch up because of stories, um, Instagram just copied it mm-hmm. and 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 brazenly so and like without remorse, uh, which I found refreshing. Like I actually yeah. kind of respected the whole like, yes, we did copy this completely and utterly and no, we're we're not apologizing. Like I kind of appreciated that. It's like, okay, well, you're shameless, but you're honest about it. Like you're not trying to pretend like because yeah. usually what happens is that people are like, oh no, we didn't copy that. It's like, yeah, you did. Like at least they were like, yeah, mm, we did. Um, <laughs> but then did it better? And because they had, you know, the, the the bigger user base and some other features, you know, and then you know, this is even before the disastrous snap redesign, um, you know, ended up just winning even more so so mm-hmm. you know but 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 it, but it does also make me kind of scared for instagram at this point because i'm like okay now you've actually got like the the, the zuck you know like contingent in charge and i don't know if that's a good thing from a product perspective do we know that it is his inner circle that's involved in making yes. these he, we do know that yes adam asari who's now in charge is one of his lieutenants damn and was reportedly the reason why, like, Kevin and Mike left. Okie dokie. Well, so. <laughs> we'll keep everyone posted on the interesting political goings-on of Facebook and Oculus and WhatsApp and Instagram. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Squarespace, where you can make your next move. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea, with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. What more, you ask me? Well, maybe you want to create an online store. Or maybe you want to create a portfolio. Maybe you want to create a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do exactly that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, and no upgrades needed. You don't gotta worry about it. Squarespace has it covered. (laughs) They also have award-winning 24-7 customer support covered in case you don't have things covered. They'll cover you. (laughs) They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name and all of their award-winning templates are beautifully designed ready for you to show off your great ideas. 
I updated my own Squarespace website today with information about my new story that's coming out, which nobody should read. But if they do want to know information about it, they'll be able to easily access it on my beautiful website where everything is visible above the fold. Uh, and then on all the beautiful pages of that website, which are accessible by links in the clear, beautiful sidebar that you can see with your eyes. And, and I, and, and I am, I'm considering, I'm actually seriously considering trying to make a, a knockoff, uh, logo, uh, for Theranos.online, uh, <gasps> that will be, that will be infringing, but maybe not infringing enough. I don't know what the line is. Um, I, I'm trying to look into what VapeWave places do. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I have this idea of having a small batch, like clothing store selling Theranos merch i want to do something with the logo where it looks like a, a drop of blood is is dripping off of it christina um, i want that so badly right i right like i think it's a really good idea and and if i do it i i think that you know squarespace should be my store thank you thank you for saying this well if you would like to learn more, I can tell you that Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but that you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash rocket. And when you decide to sign up, use the offer code rocket to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain and to show your support for rocket. So once again, that is squarespace.com slash rocket. And the offer code ROCKET at checkout after you've done your free trial, you've enjoyed building your website, you've played around with all of their tools, and you know what you're getting into. Thank you so much, Squarespace, for your support. Make your next move. Uh, make your next website. Hey! That was good. <laughs> Listen, Christina, the iPhone XR reviews are out. And guess Yay. what? It's been how many weeks since we've learned about these new phones? And I still, I, I, I've actually, I've gotten worse in two directions now. I now still say, or XS and XR when I first see those letters together. But I have stopped myself multiple times from correcting my coworkers when they're talking about the Xbox One X and started to say, oh, actually, it's the 10. No. The 10, yeah, I have. I've done the same thing and it's very frustrating because I'm like, can we just all decide on what way we say the letter X? It's either X or it's 10. We but can't like, win. Uh, yeah. So this phone looks heckin' good. Did I say that you were tweeting about it this week? Yes. What did you did you get one or did you no, get I no, no, no. <laughs> They would have ha- Apple would have had to send me one, and, and I don't think they're going to do that. Um, okay, okay. Although, although they should, because I'm awesome and would be a good person to to review it. But that's not how that works. Um, I'm an influencer, but apparently not uh, the type that they want reviewing their phones. Anyway, um, <laughs> an no, influencer I, who works for Microsoft, they don't want that reviewing their phones. Okay. <laughs> I, I mean, just ignore the fact that like we make some, we make a lot of software for their devices and development tools for their platforms and whatnot anyway uh and we don't have a mobile operating system but anyway you know yes i guess that i I guess that's fair um but uh no i mean i i was kind of i was tweeting about i I think it looks like a great device like to me 
I think this is like your next phone. Like whether, I don't know if you yeah. want to upgrade from the eight or not. Um, but if, if you were to upgrade or if you were next year to get um, a phone like the, the 10R2 or the 10RS or whatever they're going to call it, um, uh, the 10RT, who knows? Oh, you know what I mean? God, Christina. <laughs> I'm, I'm, give, I'm, I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving Apple terrible ideas. I get it. Blasphemy. But, but I feel like this is your next phone. Like I feel like this is the perfect um phone for 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 you and and please don't I, I I don't want you to like take offense to me saying this because I don't mean it in an offensive way but I feel like this is like the the perfect phone for like the normal iPhone user like this, this, this is <laughs> no this is like I acknowledge the, this actually no, this, this, this like this is the normie phone like this, this is was, what Neil got into in his review he his base the premise of his on the verge his premise was basically when you pay 250 more for the 10s you're paying for a really nice screen. Mm-hmm. And the question is, is it worth that to you? It can be. Right. It's worth it to him. Is it worth it to me, baby? No, it is not. <laughs> <laughs> right. And and I think that for a lot of people, it won't be. Um, I think that, uh, and it's actually interesting because most of the reviews kind of said this, where they said it's not about what it's losing, um, instead, it's what that's that's the wrong way of looking at it. You shouldn't look at what you lose when you have the 10R versus versus the 10S or the 10S Max. You instead should be looking at what you gain when you go to the 10S or the 10S Max. Yeah. Um, which which sounds like stupid, but that is actually very different framing because in one case you don't have certain features and you're missing out. In the other case, you're getting additive you know, things of, of value. So, you know, the big benefits for the the, the 10S and the 10S Max uh, are going to be, uh, you know, the build quality, the fact that it's stainless steel, the color, you know, um, the OLED screen, um, the fact that, you know, the bezels are slightly, you know, that are, are, are less um, higher resolution um, and then um, the dual cameras, but everything else is the same. Um, you know, the, the, the phone has less RAM, which was expected, but as Neelai pointed out in his review, um, A, RAM on, on iOS doesn't matter the same way that it does in Android. So the people who complain about like the amount of, of RAM in, in an iOS device, I always kind of roll my eyes because I'm like, iOS is different from Android and, and um, it, it's, it's a lot more optimized and apps don't use RAM the same way. And also, iOS developers are typically targeting um, not the latest, greatest, but lots of different devices. So they're not wanting to use all the available RAM that's available to them anyway. Um, but the secondary thing is that it, it's pushing less pixels, meaning, and because the RAM is, is shared between the GPU and the and the apps, um, that matters. So, you know, in, in, in common performance, it probably won't be any sort of difference, but the processor is clocked the same. Um, you know, the, the benchmarks basically look the same. The interesting thing I thought was like, was looking at the camera test. I wanted to get kind of your feedback on that because it has a single camera rather than, um, uh, dual cameras in the back. Um, so it has the, the, the 1.8 aperture, um, uh, sensor, new bigger sensor. And the way they're now doing portrait mode, which, um, since the iPhone 7 Plus has been to kind of uh, morph the two, it, they basically portrait mode is, has used the uh, uh, longer lensed camera, um, but then used some, I guess, composition compositional information from the other camera to kind of add a mix match mismatch, and then they've you know um, created the bokeh effect, you know, um, kind of between the two. But in 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 this case, what they're doing is they're just creating the effect completely in software like Google does with the uh, Pixel um, 2 and Pixel 3. 
The difference is, is because they're using the 1.8 camera with the wider lens and, and the um, lower aperture, um, it does better in low light. So you actually have, because that's always been a problem with, with portrait mode on, on the iPhone, is that low light shots look terrible because you've, you're using that camera, uh, you're using the um, the the slower aperture. And um, so that that's kind of interesting is that in some ways, you're actually getting a superior experience because in low light anyway, if you're wanting to use portrait mode, it's going to look better. Mm-hmm. That was actually, uh, there was a very insightful YouTube comment kind of getting at what you were saying about it not looking at what you're losing, but what you're gaining. And what they pointed out was actually what, you're, what you do gain when you choose the 10R over the 10S. And one of those things is wider, brighter portrait shots. Thank you, uh, YouTube user Brandon Russell, I think, which is weird because there's a Russell Brandon Brandon at at Verge, but it's a different Mm -hmm. person. Um, (laughs) Very weird coincidence. But anyway, yeah, like those, the way that it does the photos is very interesting. And there is a lot of software stuff going on there, which we usually think of as a a Google thing, but it has its own, its own software of like, as Neil, I put it, um, lightening up shadows and I think crushing highlights and some of the shots do look really, 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 really freaking good. And I would be proud to have this phone and take better photos in low light than a 10s user. But then some of them compared to the Pixel 3, which is a terrible thing to do because the Pixel 3 is incredible. Some of them just look so bad compared to that. And I don't know what we have to do to get every every f- camera to take photos like with contrast as good as the pixel three has, but this yeah. isn't quite there yet, but it, no, like, it's the lighting not. stuff that it's doing in, in dark lighting is really interesting. Yeah, no, I agree. And it it's actually, it's really interesting insofar as like Apple has before the pixel series always had the best software um, and, and the camera stuff, like period. Like, and I'm not just talking about like the, the software that you use, like to, to take the photo. I mean, like in terms of their processing and what they do, you know, on there. And like, I've, I've always found their colors to be the best. I've always found like, regardless of the sensor, cause you, you, I, I've seen this where you've seen two phones that have basically the same sensor, the same Sony sensor. And, you know, one's an iPhone and one's by someone else. And the iPhone is significantly better because what Apple is doing on the processing side is superior and we talked about this last week, and I, but I, but I feel like it's worth kind of saying again. Like I do feel like Google, in a lot of ways, not completely, and there are definitely deficit uh, deficiencies. But I feel like in a lot of ways, Google is in the lead here, especially for the sorts of things that your average user is going to appreciate. Like mm-hmm. there might be certain you know nits that 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 people like my my friend Sebastian Dewitt who uh, makes the um the iOS app Halid, which is a, a fantastic camera app that he might you know quibble with, but if you're not him and somebody who <laughs> is a professional photographer, but also in, intimately understands like how the I, iPhone camera system works, you're not going to maybe be as critical. And even he has been very positive on the Pixel 3. But yeah, I think that, that you know, that, that does kind of underscore like when you can see, I think this camera though, more than the other two, or, you know, rather, I guess it's the same camera, but more than the 10s and the 10s Max, mm-hmm really kind of shows both how far Apple is and how well they're doing with software, mm-hmm. but also 
potentially, you know, where they need to improve things um, yeah. compared to the competition because because it's the one that they're relying on software the most. Yeah. And when it comes to the basic user, you know, the normie as I am, um, because one of the things it does really well is low light photos. I feel like we've all been in that situation where you're in a bar or something and you think, oh, this looks so cool. I'm going to take a picture. And it just comes out as this like grainy mud mess. Yeah. I think even if the lighting, the low light photos sometimes look unnaturally lit or something, being able to capture that rather than just have it be a worthless mud mess, that's probably worth something to the average user. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, and and I think that the more they can do with that, you know, the better. Um, but it's hard, right? Like it, it's it's a difficult. Uh, it, um, you've got to be careful how you're doing some of this stuff, and it's um, it's because if you go too far in one direction, then it can be not looking right if you make the wrong choices, right? Like um, what it seems so far as has been kind of a, a you know, Apple has had some criticism about the the selfie camera on the 10s uh, and 10s Max, and it's the same um, selfie camera on the 10R, where people have accused it of adding like a, a beauty mode and and overly smoothing things. And, mm-hmm. and Apple has said, actually, no, that was just a, a bug, a bug. And, it, <laughs> and, and, and it's going to be fixed in iOS 12.1. Um, but, but that can kind of, so if you're being overly aggressive with certain things, then it can, um, uh, you know, even though in, in theory, it's like trying to make things better, like it can make things worse. And I thought the Neely, I, I actually, the most interesting comparison I thought that he had was the one that he did in the bar with Maria, where uh, the the iPhone camera actually did a better job of lighting her. And it looked like they'd almost brought a fill light. But he commented that the the pixel camera looked more accurate to the setting. And mm-hmm. that opens up an interesting question, which is, do you want your photos to look the best that they look? Or do you want them to actually look like it looks like inside that place. And what's interesting about that is that historically, Apple has always been the company that I've kind of looked at and said, they're going to be the most accurate. The colors tend to be the most accurate. They might be a little bit flatter in some ways, not as vibrant. Maybe in some others, Samsung, for instance, loves to turn up its vibrancy. Like it mm-hmm. loves it. <laughs> um, they, they, they oh, love I'm such to, a sucker for that. I love it. <laughs> yeah, no, because it looks terrific um, in a demo and looks great. Like if you're in a carrier store and you're kind of looking through sample photos, like it does look really good. Um, whereas Apple, and, and when I've spoken with, with, with people at Apple before, you know, who work on, on their camera team, I mean, granted, this was now a couple of years ago, but, you know, they would kind of stress to me how important it was for them to, um, you know, have accuracy in mm-hmm. that way and make it make the photo you're taking actually look like where it looks like. I, I do almost, in a weird way, I almost want to defend them, though, because I feel like that's completely how you want things to be when you're outdoors, even if it's overcast or whatever, like yeah. you want it to look the way you see it. But if you're indoors in low light... I kind of want the better photo, even if it doesn't actually look it's like real so life. It's so subjective, right? Like, I don't know. That that picture specifically, uh, for those of you who haven't looked at the Verge's photo examples, it was in a bar with kind of red lighting. So the pixel captured something that was much more red on her face and um, looked, you know, not real. Uh, I mean, it looked real, but, you know, it was kind of like a bad photo, quote unquote bad. But then the iPhone restored, you know, her skin tone to its natural color and made it look like the red light wasn't there at all. So it it is totally a subjective thing where it's like, huh, do I want 
everyone to see that I'm in a bar with like dark red lighting and all that? Or do I want a good photo of my face? And I, I do think that there are there isn't a wrong answer to that. It's just about what what you want. Um, do we want to talk about the let's see the the screen at all? Yes. Damn yes, bezels. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, more than the bezels, I'm not bothered by the bezels. Like, I know some people are going to look at it and really hate it because it is clear that it has way more bezels than the, than the 10s or the 10s Max or, or the 10. The bezels don't bother me. What does bother me is the resolution, mm. the, the, the pixel density. That bugs me. Because um, it's 720, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's almost 1080. It's, it's more than 720, but it's not 1080. Yeah. Um, so it is the same pixel density as the iPhone 8 and um, uh, iPhone 6 and, and, and iPhone 7. Um, but it is a lower p- pixel density uh, by, you know, like 80 pixels or so than the um, um, iPhone um, 6 Plus, 6S Plus, and 7 Plus, and 8 Plus. So the Plus phones, which are closer to it in physical size, had a um, higher pixel density and a higher resolution screen. So that's honestly the only reason why I kind of get annoyed because this phone is very much the replacement for the Plus. They've just kind of decided we're mm-hmm. not making small phones anymore. This is, and even price-wise, this is priced what the 8 Plus was last year and, and, and what the previous Plus models were. Like, this is a Plus device. So unfair um, for they're, me. They're, they're, I know, I know. <laughs> But they're, 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 it's, it's unfortunately where the world has gone, Simone. Um, I know. Un- un- unless you get a 10S because the I've 10S is, yeah. Left behind. <laughs> you have, unfortunately. But screen size wise, you know, it's actually a bigger screen than, than the Plus had. And so it's lower resolution. That's the only thing that kind of annoys me because I feel like, okay, I'm, I'm cool cutting corners on the, the screen material itself. I'm, I'm, I'm cool, you know, using aluminum instead of um, a stainless steel. If you want to not have 3D touch, if you want to do some other stuff, awesome. The screen resolution is the thing that, that honestly just makes me roll my eyes, though, because I feel like there is no explanation you can make that is not tied to one of two things. Um, one, it was a decision done so that they can have better profit margins. So it's done to take what is already, to be very clear, an expensive phone because this is, people call this the cheap phone. It's not the cheap phone. This is the normal price phone. And then the 10s and the 10s Max are the insanely expensive phones, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and, and the people who are going to be buying the 10R in most cases will be spending more than what they spent on their 6S or their 7S or, or their not 7S, their 7 or, or, or whatever. You know, like it, it's actually probably going to cost them more. So this is not a cheap phone. So it's giving them better profit margins. So that's number one. And that always makes me kind of like roll my eyes a little bit um, because it's like, come on, like I, I'm not uh, opposed to companies making money, but that seems like a bad product decision um, and a bad, you know, bad for your users. But the real thing that kind of gets me, this is what, this is, this is my real kind of theory. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. If they had a 1080 screen in this, if it was 1920 by 1080, then um, I don't think that they would be able to convince people to step up and buy the, the 10S Max or the 10S. Oh, because you think, if Why the, would you? if the screen isn't like truly, truly two hundred fifty dollars better? Right. Then why? Right. Because OLED and OLED is the, the Apple OLED, as Neil says in his uh, video, is better than than Apple LCD. But Apple LCDs are great, um, yeah. and in some cases, they've actually been better than other companies' OLEDs. So you're talking about kind of a best in breed of that type of display. But 
if you had something that was the same resolution and and or you know and and, and pixel density or close to you know as what you'd had on the other generations, why would you upgrade? Why would you pay? Because at that point you're literally, you know, talking about a camera where you may not use you know the zoom lens and um, the build materials, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. So, so to me, it's it it it's like they're doing this because they need something to be the big differentiator. And I guess in my mind, I would almost be happier if they had added additional things to the 10s and the 10s Max to make up that difference, rather than making uh, what feels like holding back on the the screen on the 10R to um, kind of uh, I guess. Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Not arbitrarily, but but kind of, um, I guess. Um, oh yeah, I see what. Um, you know, artificially. You thank you. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. That's exactly it. But but to artificially, uh, you know, keep the screen behind just because they they want that because because they know that that's going to be the biggest. Maybe, but next year for though, people. they would have to introduce. I mean. If, for whatever the, the quote-unquote cheap model is next year, do you think they're going to stick with this? Or I feel like they I have, have to go up to 1080. I, th- I think at some point they're going to have to. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. But Because cause at this point, it's not even so much, it's not the, because people will, will say, and like defenders of this will say, oh, well, regular people don't care. And you're right, they don't. Um, but it gets to a certain point where, again, you're spending $750 on a phone and you're looking at all the other phones that you could spend seven hundred fifty dollars on. You're going, okay, wait a minute. I still can't watch my my YouTube videos or my iTunes or whatever, you know, yeah. in this high of resolution. Um, and and people are just kind of getting used to that. So it's not like it's it's not like it's bad, and it's not like it's going to be blurry. That's not what I'm arguing. I'm just saying that if you're spending that much money and you have a screen this size, it it feels I don't know. It feels cheap in a way that feels arbitrary and designed to push profits and to keep enough of a distinction between your really expensive phones. And I don't know, I feel like this is why Apple isn't sending you review models. <laughs> this is exactly why Apple's not sending me review models, but, 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 but like, but, but like, you know, but it almost, but it seems to me is like, even though I spend more money on their products than like almost anyone. Um, but like, uh, but yeah, but it, but it, but it just feels like if you're going to have these differences, which is totally fine, if you want to charge as much as you're charging for a phone, maybe you should have more differences. I don't know. I I, I don't know how to answer that. Um, long story short, I feel like this is the phone. The 10R is the phone that most people need, want will, will will be buying, and frankly should buy. Yeah. The colors are fun. The quality seems to be great. It's not cutting. It's it's, it's not cutting corners in any of the ways that actually matter. Um, my quibbles about you know screen resolution are honestly just more about kind of like if you're paying that much money, I would I would like it if you got more for more bang for your buck because historically Apple has been a company that would give you you know kind of what you pay for at least. Yeah. But even even that, it's not like you're you're still having a best in class LCD and it's still going to look great. It's going to be just as fast as the other phone. I think that you know unless you're somebody like me who is ridiculous and always buys the latest and greatest or you're looking at wanting a really long-term investment for some reason even then i kind of feel like i don't know i feel like this is the phone that everybody's going to have and i feel like this is going to be come kind of like the the you know the 6s which was like the really popular phone to see for a long time like Mm -hmm. i feel like this is that new phone you know what i mean like i feel like we're going to be seeing so many of these all over the place i hope that we will i i 
I like it. And I, I, like you said, I'll probably be upgrading to this one next year. I know, I know I said I would upgrade this year, last year, but, uh, it's not going to happen for me because I, I still feel like it's not worth my money yet. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the eight was still a really good phone. I mean, damn straight. well, we've talked about this before. I mean, this is kind of the hard place where the yeah, this is in the, right now. the point where it's branching off and like everyone is going to have to catch up next year. But this year, right. there is still that bifurcation. It's totally. Trifurcation, rather. Trifurcation, yeah. Well, but also, I mean, I think it's just the point that like at this point, like phones last longer and are really good. And, and there there aren't like software reasons where, where you're like, oh, I need to, to have this. It's like, oh, no, this is this is completely fine. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so I am... Um, yeah, I, I feel like this is this is cool. Um, I'm having a weird like visual response to the name 10R, not related to the pronouncing it XR thing, but I feel like the name of it isn't as attractive as the S model names. Does that make sense? Like maybe yes. maybe I'm totally out of my mind, but I look at 10R. And I, I see something that feels just not up to it doesn't look sexy. Yeah. Is is it just because I'm used to S? So Chris uh Velasco, uh who uh, uh is a um an editor at Engadget, he interviewed Phil Schiller um uh, this week and asked him about the um the naming and, and Phil Schiller basically said that you know, that it was, uh, that the name didn't mean anything, that the R didn't stand for anything. And that, um, you know, he said, you know, I, I like cars and, um, and that's, uh, you know, you, you have like, you know, S models and R models and, and cars and that sort of thing. I don't know. I feel like. Okay. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, they're I always tacking R's on cars to make them sound cool. Yeah. I mean, that's true. So, but I think that's where, maybe that's where I'm getting my reaction is I, I used to seeing it on cars and being like, oh, that's just some weird tacky thing. And to make that look fancy, why is that on my phone? I should feel the same way about S. This is totally subjective. And I'm going to cut myself off and say this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Pingdom, the company who make website performance monitoring really easy. Everyone loves a fast website, and Pingdom are helping keep your favorite sites online. Websites like Spotify, like Slack, like Twitter, and like Netflix. All the things that you do when you should be working. These are just a few companies who trust Pingdom to take care of their website monitoring. Websites can get pretty complicated, but you can monitor any site transaction with Pingdom. Stuff like user registrations, logins, checkouts, and much more. Pingdom care about your users having the smoothest site experience possible. And if disaster strikes, you will be the first to know. It is super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is your URL and they'll take care of the rest. That's it. That's it. That's it. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you sign up, you can use the offer code ROCKET at checkout to get a huge 30% off of your first invoice. That's again, pingdom, P-I-N-G-D-O-M dot com slash RelayFM. 
Thank you so much, Pingdom, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Hoorah! Woohoo! Well, well, well. Hell week! Hell week. So, so, I, so uh, talk a little bit about Hell Week for, 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 for the listeners who might not have heard you talk about it before. Let's talk about all the things you've had to do this week. Hell Week for the listeners. So as, as I hope we all know, fall is the season of many video games. And mm-hmm. it started with Assassin's Creed Odyssey coming out at the beginning of this month, which was fine and dandy. That was great. Uh, and now a lot of things are happening, like... Call of Duty Black Ops 4 is here, and also Fallout 76 is coming out, and its open beta testing period is kind of happening intermittently this week and next week. No, all this week. It's all this week. And Red Dead Redemption 2 is coming out on Friday. All of the big things, the big things that in the case of, like, Red Dead and Fallout and also Assassin's Creed Odyssey want to claim, like, 100 hours of your time minimum each, which is a whole thing to talk about. So this week, uh, we had the Fallout 76 demo, which was the first sequence of my Hell Week. And then the ongoing sequence of my Hell Week has just been um, trying to figure out ways to intelligently cover Red Dead Redemption 2, which is at the center of a lot of of news this week both for good reasons it being you know a game that is extremely complex and interesting and pushes the bar technologically in really interesting ways um and also for rockstar's labor practices in uh, like reigniting a discussion of crunch with the focus on the most profitable company in gaming and how they could afford to, or they should be able to afford to treat their workers as best as possible. And that, that that's not necessarily the case there. So that has been, that has been hell week has been uh, trying to cover a bunch of big, big games. And the sad part about it is that because of the news cycle, it means Assassin's Creed Odyssey is like over. And I don't cover that anymore. Well, hopefully you might be able to come back, but let's talk a little bit about Red Dead because I was a big fan of the original. Um, I know that there are some people who like don't like the game because it's like a little bit misogynistic and whatnot, but like I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I love Rockstar games, if I'm being honest. I love the Grand Theft Auto series too. Like I don't I kind of don't care. Like it's just one of those things. I'm like, you know what? Like I I really, really like them. Um, we all I, have I, the I things that we're willing to lay down the gauntlet for. And I just think they're, I thought the first one was really, ma- really well done. And, um, you know, like I, I never played, um, Red Dead Revolver, but I did play Redemption and it was just, you know, it, it was really well done. And anyway, um, putting aside some of the, the issues, um, with the labor practices, which we can get into a little bit because I think that, that is important. What, uh, what do you think of the game? It is silly big. It, it It is absolutely incredible, and it makes everything else look so bad in comparison. Uh, mainly by, by bad, by everything else, I mean Fallout 76. I should specify. <laughs> I still think Assassin's Creed looks great. Um, but, okay, it is, it is beautiful. 
It is complex. It is enormous. It is anxiety-inducing in the ways that it kind of shucks off some of the things that we've grown to expect from video games. Um, one example, I guess, would be just... you. I I personally am used to being able to trust that if I walk away from an NPC and walk away from that quest, I can come back and pick that up whenever I want. But in the, I should clarify, scant hours that I've spent playing Red Dead 2, because I'm not the person who's reviewing it, um, I you I come across NPCs fairly often just as I'm riding around, and they need things. But you get the sense that the world is the world will continue existing whether or not you interact with it and that that chance will be gone forever. And it can be something so silly, just like maybe this guy needs a walk back to town. That's not a big deal. But if you, but because I'm used to this paradigm of, ah, yes, I can go in and I can help everyone, but in my own time, and I can enjoy my power fantasy. The it's kind of anxiety inducing for me to have to do things in the game's time, or just acknowledge that maybe that's not maybe the game isn't about fulfilling a bunch of little side quests. Maybe the game is about I'm ignoring this guy and I'm riding off to this campfire in the distance because I want to see what's on the other side of this mountain. I think the the closest thing we can compare it to is Breath of the Wild, just in terms of how much there is to explore and how many unexpected things will happen to you along the way. And that is that 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 is how that that has been my preliminary experience with Reddit too. Gotcha. Um talking about some of the the labor practices what what's your kind of thought on that? Oh boy. <laughs> ay, ay, ay. So I definitely I recommend that everyone read Jason Schreier's write-up uh on Kotaku about Rockstar's labor practices because he talked to a lot of people, um uh, many, many of them anonymous, some of them not anonymous, about labor practices at Rockstar. Um some who some who remained anonymous because they didn't want repercussions from the company. Some who rena- remained anonymous because they were telling a positive story and didn't want to be singled out by their peers for like appearing contradictory. So like it's it's a very complicated situation. I do think that like the main point that I I can speak to being a problem is something that comes up is Dan Hauser, uh, one of the the people who runs the company dropped this 100 hours um 100 hour, 100 hour week stat in an interview recently and then they came out and clarified like oh no that was just the writing team and it was just for like 3 or 4 weeks like it was not <laughs> it wasn't that for like this huge company of people making this huge game we weren't working 100 hour weeks all of us but a lot of people have said there is a culture of like not want or of wanting to go in on a weekend because your boss might come in on a weekend and see that you're there and note that you're working and privilege you for that. And I, I definitely like, I find that very relatable because even yep. at a company like Vox, where our work life balance is 
at least on, I'm on my team, I feel our work-life balance is valued because of my being a passionate person. When I have to leave the office before other people, I feel bad. I feel like I have right. to clarify that. I feel like I have to justify it in some way. And I feel like creating a company culture where we value the people who come in on the, we we value coming in on the weekend. We value staying at work till eleven p.m. and we hold those people up on a pedestal. Like, yes, they are doing a good job, but it's creating this sort of pressure cooker scenario where to be praised and to be considered like good at your job and passionate and enjoying what you do. That means that you have to be there all hours of the day. It means you have to do, you have to sacrifice things from your life outside of work to work on this. I I do think that creating a culture like that is a very easy to do in a company of people who care about what they're doing and b a problem because it's very hard. It's very insidious to combat because it's like, well, what are we combating people caring about their work? Well, sometimes people need to be told to stop working because it's not good for them and it's not good for the product and it creates problems. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I can 1000% relate to that. It's interesting. I am, um, I don't do this as much anymore and it's a conscientious decision, but I used to be a workaholic in a way that was not good, was not healthy. Yeah. Did not make me a better worker. I used to work easily, you know, 10 hour days every single day and, and, and it was always on call on the weekends and, would would sometimes work even longer hours and and never took vacation and didn't take time off even when I you know in, unless I was I was really really sick and and you know just were those things where you know when shoot when I got married two days before my wedding I was on a red eye <sighs> back home because I had spoken in Vegas and then two days after my 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 wedding I was um I was at another I was speaking at another event you know like I I did take my honeymoon for seventeen months. <sighs> Because I I didn't have to, I didn't feel like I could take a week off. Now the thing is though I could have you know yeah. and it's and, the and, quote and I'm, unquote don't have time right air, um, major air quotes right it was one of those things where I didn't feel like I would I but I felt like committed it's not like my my company told me I needed to do that and and sometimes you are in situations where you have deadlines and where it is crunch time and you're coming down to like a big event or a big software push or whatever. And in that case, I can kind of understand that if you've got a major, major game that's been, you know, eight years in the making coming out, then I can kind of understand where you're saying, yeah, you know what? Like, this is one of those things where um, all hands on deck and yeah, you might be working 100 hour weeks, which I'm not saying that that's ideal, but I am saying I one thousand percent understand how that happens mm-hmm. um like totally and uh you know but 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 i think the bigger problem is is as you said where people feel like that becomes the expectation because they see other people doing it because they like their job they're afraid to take time off and that in turn creates this culture where nobody feels like they can leave and everybody feels like they have to do even more and that doesn't necessarily lead to a better product certainly doesn't lead to better morale doesn't lead to better work-life balance and ultimately you have burned out people who quit um, or mm-hmm. people who have nervous breakdowns or people who get themselves so sick they wind up in the hospital. You know, you have all kinds of negative situations. But I think the bottom line is is that you don't want to cultivate a culture mm-hmm. where you even if you like what you're doing, where you feel like you can't, you know, it's hard take to say, time. I mean, passionate pe- people. Passion is like the dirty word here. 
those people are particularly susceptible to being like, oh, I love this. I'm so glad to be here. Oh, my God, why can't I create as fast and as well as I once did? Like, why why am I why can't I do work up to my standard of quality? And then they become frustrated with themselves. And that's exactly how burnout happens. Totally. And 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 again, I think it comes down to maybe having to recognize that, you know, you have to sometimes I, I sometimes I almost think part of it is the responsibility of of creating a culture in a company that lets you know that you can take time and that it's important. Mm-hmm. Um usually I think that comes by by management and managers setting the example and showing that they're willing to leave early. Yeah. And not not being the type of people who say, I'm gonna be the last one here, because that sets a tone where people feel like, well, I can't leave before my manager leaves. Exactly. Um, yeah. You know, and that so seemed manager- to be kind of the problem here where the two of the people who are in management were, as far as I remember, were involved in that like 100 hour a week writing crunch that was spoken of. And like, damn, no, I, I hate leaving the office if my boss is still there. It feels terrible. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Even exactly. though I know and- there is like in my head, I know, okay, that person is getting paid more than me. That person has a lot more responsibilities than me. Absolutely. It feels like slacking. It does. And and it, and also, you know, um, yeah. So I think from a perception standpoint, that's one way that people can help is that managers, look, if you go home and you continue to work, nobody's going to know. But if you set boundaries and do things, that makes your employees feel more comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my current um, boss, um, he's great. And, and one of the first things he said to me when I joined his team was he talked about how important work-life balance was to him. And, and it's not BS. He said, you know, it's a really important thing. It's one of the most important things, you know, is that I want you to feel like if, if you need to take a personal day, take it. If, you know, he's like, I leave early, you know, on, on Wednesdays because I ride my bike and that's really important to me. You know, I go to my daughter's, you know, games. Like these are things that I do. And he takes vacation, which is important. Does he take maybe as much as he has? Probably not. He could probably take more. But And it's not like he doesn't work because he's working all the time. Um, but he does set that example. And that makes me feel better about leaving early or or mm-hmm. taking time if I need to. Um, and also, I, I think in a weird way, it kind of makes me more committed to wanting to, to, to work hard, you know, um, during crunch time when things happen. But I think that beyond that, I think that so that's one thing that management can do. But I think some of this, unfortunately, you talk about, and and this is a hard part because it does impact people who are kind of the the most, um, I guess, uh, passionate, but also tend to be the most kind of type A, and, and a lot of creative types are type A in, in a lot of ways. Is that some of it's just a personal thing where you have to kind of reach that point where you have to be like, no, I'm not going to do this. This is not good for my health. And as an employee, you have to push back and be like, if, if you're being asked to work multiple hundred hour weeks and it is not a tenable situation to say no and be like, it's going to get done when it gets done. You know, like if, if if you're literally two days away from something, like that's one thing. But if you have some time and if there are a lot of people on your team, um, you know, I think like as employees, we have to be like, as individuals to kind of, you know, take responsibility and and know that it's okay to stand up and say like, I'm not doing this. I think that game developers should be allowed to unionize. <laughs> I mean, I, well, I agree with that too. I, I think that everyone should be allowed to unionize. Uh, I think it, I think it's hard because you know, um, software developers have kind of a similar problem where in we are paid a lot, and so people feel like they don't need to have a union. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like having been in a union and 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 knowing the benefits, I feel like 
you know, every profession should mm-hmm. have the ability if they want to, 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 to unionize. I think, but, but I do think it's harder in white collar um, industries to convince yeah. people because people, again, these are the same people who are, are, are convincing themselves they need to work hundred hour weeks and stay as long as the boss. And this is definitely, I think a situation where the top was not up for changing that culture, in which case I very much understand why, the workers would not feel comfortable challenging that culture, if that makes sense. Totally, yeah, yeah. No, I agree with that, and and I and I hope that they can, you know, take some pushback and maybe get, you know, um, take take whatever the you know the criticism and the the responses and and take it the right way and not do the thing that oftentimes companies do when they hear this sort of criticism, which is to take it and, uh, you know, like get become defensive and and mm-hmm. not do anything to change things. Um, oh, there was another policy i think that i i thought of as you were talking that kind of reminded me of this which is um they might be changing this now but for the duration of the production of it um if you worked on the game but left rockstar before the game came out you are not included in the credits okay that's messed up yes (laughs) so that obvious i I think that's just like another layer of like oh god because Um, like that's one of the few perks you have as a game developer you know you you work on this massive game it's like working on a movie you know nobody's ever going to see the work that you did if you aren't one of the named writers producers or whatever like even then you're not going to be getting any credit for this mm -hmm. but you could see your name in in the credits and it'd be like oh no all this work you did for however many years doesn't matter you weren't there when when the game ships so you were there when it went gold so you're not in the credits like what kind yeah. of that's that's terrible they're releasing like a, a thank you note on the website right now for people who left development before the game came out but i hope that i sincerely hope that they changed that and include everyone in the credits yeah no i mean and, and that's it's like come on it's like it's the credits of the game come on like they can be as long as they you need them to be and just they should issue a patch on that like that's that's ridiculous yeah Okay, so so enough about Fallout and, and its drama. I, I am really Red looking forward to playing this. Sorry, Red Dead and its drama. I'm sorry. I was getting ahead of myself. <laughs> uh, I am looking forward to playing Red Dead, however. I'm really excited about it. Um, I already have it downloaded on my Xbox. Nice. Um, uh, because, you know, no one no one has time for that, waiting to download 70 gigabytes or whatever it is. Oh, God, it is. it's huge. It's 99 gigabytes, Christina. Right. So, yeah, no, no, nobody has time for that. Um Let's talk about the the other the other big game, which Trap is game. Fallout seventy six. <laughs> yep, which uh, we've been worried about. We were we uh, uh, Bree was worried about it. I was worried about it. You seem worried about it. Now you've played it. What are your thoughts? I'm not here to assuage your worries. So I should clarify this with with some words from my coworker Jenna, who loves Fallout games. I think her favorites are three and New Vegas. Yeah, um, she. It, she is fine with Fallout 4, but she didn't love Fallout 4. And she says that this game is most akin to Fallout 4 in terms of gameplay. I think it's built in the, the same engine, so yeah. pretty it looks the same. It pretty much plays the same. I mean, I'd be shocked if it wasn't, to be honest, just because yeah. it's only been, like, two years. Two years, like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, it's only been two years. So, this game... Very much like Fallout 4. So if you enjoyed the gameplay of Fallout 4, 
stop listening to everything that I'm going to say, because that's all you need to know, probably. Oh, my God, you guys. I didn't like it. No. It sucks. Um, <laughs> it just, and part of this is, again, because I've been spending a lot of time with Red Dead, probably. And I, that is a game that feels so so good just in all of the ways and fallout is so janky in all the ways that you expect from a fallout game caveat if you're a fan of fallout you probably won't give a crap but it just it feels like something old and clumsy and i didn't enjoy that aspect of it the aspect that I mostly kind of objected to, not objected to, this is something that I personally didn't enjoy. So Fallout 76 multiplayer game, as everyone knows, uh, you will be able to have private servers eventually at launch. That's no, it's all, you know, public servers. Um, did not have any trouble with the other players. I teamed up with Jenna uh, and we kind of we ran through it together um, with our radios on listening to beautiful music. But as far as the story, story and everything goes because there are no npcs it is essentially you are in this bombed out world full of monsters and you're finding you know tracking down these audio diaries these hollow tapes from survivors and listening to them and then finding their body because there are no living npcs there are robot npcs so they're dead and you kind of just go through the world in that way. And it was obviously not, nothing about that is like revolutionary for Fallout or video games. Audio tapes and finding dead bodies has <laughs> been like a storytelling staple for ever. Yeah. But oh my God, it was just so, it kind of, it hit me around like the first big town that we found where we were looking for a woman who was involved in like water purification efforts. Um, which is part of this like very long drawn out quest to teach you how to boil water. But, you know, listening to her tapes about how she taught school children and then banded up with them after the bombs fell and they, you know, kept each other safe and they're all dead. And it was just so bleak and, I, in the year of our Lord 2018, <laughs> am not quite prepared to spend my leisure time playing a game that doesn't look or feel good while hearing stories about people who have died in a nuclear <laughs> apocalypse. And maybe that is what some people are. Maybe some people are listening to this and they're like, hell yeah, give me that sad content, Simone. I want to feel it. And to you, I say... Be strong. Go on. Follow your dreams. <laughs> I just found, like, it was this seesawing between absolute tedium of the gameplay plus, like, the knowledge that everyone is dead and I am sad. Yeah, that, um, I, I'm, wow. That's a bummer. 
It was a super bummer. Honestly, the tedium bothers me more than like the everybody is dead and it's sad part. Because like that is certainly like you need to be in the right headspace for that. And certainly in the the year of our Lord, 2018, I think all of us could agree that that maybe we don't want to be in that headspace. Um, Where like, I don't know, it seems like ever since 2016, like the era of sad games, it's just... It's not as fun anymore. It's not um, as fun, no. You know, post-apocalyptic stuff, it's like like The Walking Dead, you can only kind of like laugh at so much because you're like, Ugh. yeah. You know, like <laughs> like this is this is this is a lot. Um, I feel you. But 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 the but the tedium of the gameplay, I guess that's the part that's most upsetting. What is the multiplayer like? It's just well, here's the yeah, it's that like sad, sad content balanced with you're running around in an open world and there are other people just kind of bouncing around in there with you. Um, you can team up with them. You can trade with them. You can do emotes with them. Apparently, uh, global chat is turned on by default. Uh, we did not turn that off, so probably everyone heard Jenna and I just yakking at each other the whole time. Um, <laughs> whoops. Sorry, everyone. I don't think we said anything too bad. But, you know, anyway, that tedium combined with, like, the awkward fourth wall breakingness of randos being in a game with you which feels it feels fourth wall breaking considering that you're all survivors of vault 76 who have been let out into the world so of course ostensibly like you can team up with everyone but also i'm at a crafting station and only one person can use it at a time and somebody's like hacking away at someone with a machete because they want to use the crafting station it's kind of just like tonally <laughs> it's totally weird in not a quirky, fun Fallout way, in just like a janky video game way. Um, I did enjoy, like, I super, super enjoyed being on a team with Jenna. And the way that the perks work now, the charisma perk, or the charisma um, stat in special, is um, you can add perks to that charisma stat to augment team play. Like, you might get XP faster if you're in a team, things like that. So um, she leveled up a lot because she was focusing on her charisma special. But um, yeah, being with the team, I I don't think I would have enjoyed it solo because I think it would have felt like a very strange, lonely, surreal slog. But I had a lot of fun playing with Jenna. Um, That's interesting because that's obviously, I think that's going to be maybe the the thing that a lot of diehard Fallout fans might have issue with then. Because yeah. You know, because if, if if this is a game that's going to mostly be better on a team, that's not really what Fallout's known for. Yeah, and honestly, it was mostly just because the gameplay wasn't particularly interesting to me. Like, the, the reason I enjoyed it was because I was with my friend who I was talking to. And those early game quest lines were very dry. Um... The locations were pretty, but it just, it it felt very dated, and I didn't really have a good time with that outside of, like, hanging out with Jenna. So, yeah, that was my, those are my impressions of the first four hours, being forced to play Fallout 76 for four hours. <laughs> do, you, do you think that this is, do, it, does Bethesda have a chance to turn things around on this, do you think? No, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks a lot. <laughs> I know there are going to be be people who disagree with me on that, but dang. Dang, I think it sucks. 
So if you got to spend your coin on 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 a game, Red Red Dead. It's hard to say because I mean. It, different experiences actually no because once red dead multiplayer comes out that's gonna be baller so yeah i, I, I was yes. gonna say and, and i think that i think that we all know like that's the part like that i think because of, of gta 5 has like gta online is so good it's so good like it's on it like years later it's so good that it's that, that i think that, that that once you have like multiplayer on red dead like that's gonna yeah be, it's like, just, silly how good that still is so yeah red dead is, yeah Oh, no, just buy Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Of the two games that I've spent this week with, uh, Red Dead is definitely the superior product. Well, I mean, look now that you now now that you've gotten through this, maybe you can go back to Assassin's Creed. Yeah, once my arms are cured from being forced to play Fallout for hours and hours. <laughs> hey, Christina, can I tell you about how this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Green Chef? You sure can. Yay. It is a meal delivery service that includes everything you need to cook delicious gourmet meals that you can feel good about. Green Chef sends a variety of organic ingredients and imaginative new recipes each week. The cool thing, the super duper cool thing, I say as I take a drink of fresh water, because <laughs> my mouth is dry from yelling about fallout so much, their meal plans, they got meal plans for carnivores. They got meal plans for vegetarians. Oh, wait, they got meal plans for vegans, for paleo people, for keto people. Keto? Keto? It's keto. It's keto. There you go. If you are, you keto diet listeners out there are like, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But guess what? Green Chef does. Gluten-free meal plans. Omnivore meal plans. So, basically, you can tailor the meal delivery to your particular diet. And Green Chef is also the first USDA certified organic meal delivery service. Each of their ingredients is thoughtfully sourced and its journey is tracked from planting to plating. The recipes also include pre-made sauces, dressings, and spices, so you get all of that flavor in less time. So I remember when I when I got my delicious uh, Green Chef sample I got a gluten-free box, and I, I really super enjoyed it. I'm, I'm not gluten-free myself, but I wanted to try a gluten-free box so I could just prove to the world that the service worked, uh, and it was freaking delicious. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So, of Green Chef's uh, ingredients, everything is hand-picked and delivered right to your door which is extremely cool. Uh, and they have expert chefs that design recipes with gourmet flavor you would typically only find in restaurants. So if you want to do something fancy, I mean, I imagine that for, I mean, for p- some of people who are on some of these diets that are kind of restricting, that sounds attractive to me. Like the oh, idea of doubt. having a, a chef, an expert chef design something specifically for that diet so that it would taste good. But also, I oh God, I had a friend in college, Brad Stafford, who was weight training and he would just bring enormous, like plain chicken so breasts to yeah. class and just eat them. I think they had salt and pepper and that was it. And I was just like, oh God. So don't do that. Do green chef instead. <laughs> if you would like $50 off your first box of Green Chef, you can go to greenchef.us slash rocket. That is again, greenchef, G-R-E-E-N-C-H-E-F dot U-S slash rocket for $50 off your first box of Green Chef. 
Thank you so much, Green Chef, for your support of this show and Relay FM. Woohoo! Yay! Um, I I never review the 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 food boxes because um, I'm too picky of an eater and I'm a bad cook. But this one actually does appeal to me because Grant is trying to be keto, and it can be difficult, as you said, to try to find the right things and what ingredients actually match up with that and to find recipes that taste good. So, yay! I'm glad that that stuff like this exists. Yay! What else are you up to this week? Well, um, doing some stuff uh, with uh, with work. Had the hackathon um, last week. Uh, did not meet any Rocket listeners. I did meet a listener who uh, who listens to this week in tech. So that was actually hey. that was fun. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, uh, just uh, doing some videos and, and preparing some content. I'm going to be speaking at Purdue in two weeks. Yes, and so I'm just finalizing uh, my my stuff for that and. Uh, yeah, uh, just uh, just chilling out. Uh, what about you? What am I doing? Well, <laughs> it, on the day that you're listening to this, you will be able to read Polygon's review of Red Dead Redemption 2 and also see a ton of coverage on our YouTube channel and our Twitch about, um, about the game. So please do read up on that. And you can see my latest videos at, of course, youtube.com slash polygon. Other than that, uh, I, <laughs> I'm re-releasing my demon erotica novel yes. novella. <laughs> yes. yes. Which yes. I don't want anyone to read. Daria Defour.com. Yeah. <laughs> hey, look, it's, it, it, it's, it's done by, by, uh, by Rocket. It, it's, it's a Rocket sponsor, uh, Squarespace site. So, People should visit it just to look at the at the at, at the Squarespace website, and then if they're interested in Demon Erotica, get the get the re-release. Now, if someone already had the old version, is there any new information in this, or is this just like there is a new scene? I wrote a new scene, and it's also had just a, a new a coat of paint slapped on it. Basically, I sent it off to be edited by a different editor. Um, so it's. And also, I've become a better writer in like the years since this was published. What I mostly want people to know is that I wrote this way before the film Venom came out. <laughs> and in the film Venom, the Venom Venom has a big long tongue and a big mouth, and people like to ship him and Eddie. And I fully support that. But I want people to know that if you're looking for a book with, like, a smoky demon who has big glowing eyes and a long tongue that he uses to touch people with... I did that first. I did that a year ago. And that you should support an independent creator who um, who is clearly, clearly Sony and also Marvel have um, had their eye on me. Clearly. You know? So, so. What, I mean, what, what you're trying to say is, is this was not Venom fanfic that like you then turned to something exactly. else. Like this was your own original creation and that actually any of the Venom fanfic is inspired by you. Exactly. All of the Venom fanfic is inspired by me. And I am the source of everything. All erotica. <laughs> so now you know a little bit more about this project and how well written it is because of the second edit pass that I've done on it, which has made it a much stronger narrative overall. And you should buy it, except never do that. And especially if you do buy it, never tell me that you have done so because I will scream and I will run away. <laughs> 
Has this happened? Has, has anyone actually told you that they bought your erotica? Yes, actually, a dear, I think, Polygon show listener uh, who might also listen to Rocket. Uh, hi, if you do, uh, told me that at PAX East. And I think I did go, ah! <laughs> I mean, look, you, you put yourself out there. Simone, people want to support you. They like you. Um, we, we've read... Um, you know, snippets of your workout on the show before. And uh, and that was know, an experience for all of us that we all it shared. It was. It was. And it was great. And so people want more and they should go to DariaDefour.com, uh, but just don't tell Simone. Um, but but you could tweet Simone's, um, um, you know, pseudonym on Twitter, um, I assume. Yes, you can. I'm very specifically not dedicating this book to my parents. <laughs> Christina, where can we find you online? Um, well, you can find me online reading Dario DeFore's uh, uh, Demon um, Smut. No, uh, you can find me at uh, <laughs> Film Underscore Girl on the Twitters, the Instagrams, and uh, whatnot. And you can find the videos that I do at work at YouTube.com slash Microsoft Developer. Nice. And you can find me on YouTube.com slash Polygon, as I said, and also on Twitter at Doomquasar. If you liked this show, please recommend it to a friend who might be interested and make sure you give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other people see it as well. This episode of Rocket is terminated. Terminated. <laughs>